0: Nerd Legion is back for another week of Marvel. This is a glorious week of Marvel, though. Do, did we finally get well, an entirely good show? It's a week with glorious purpose. That's uh, <laughs> that's for sure.
1: We know that much, at least, with, with Loki Season 2. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Just to give you my general I- idea right from the beginning, I'm not sure if this is a good show or not. I think there are definitely good <laughs> things about it. But I'm not convinced it's actually, like, a fully good show. But the fact that, like, I've been thinking about it a lot since watching the finale, like, I, it probably pushes it into the good show range. But, but I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's, I, my, my mind is not made up yet on it. Where are you at on it? Uh, well, I think that it's definitely in contention for the best show we've actually discussed here on Nerd Legion. It didn't really disappoint me at any point in time. The acting remained very good throughout. Yeah. The characters are really fun. I like I the direction that. that they put, put pushed the narrative. I thought it was really creative the way they used the multiverse and kind of the different timelines and the way they resolved everything at the end of the show. I really enjoyed the time travel back to the Chicago World's Fair in 1893 which is a very famous event in in American history and you know I think probably a lot of you like me have read The Devil in the White City and uh, so it was fun to it was really impressive I think to see that realized on screen hmm. um so I think the there was sets a lot were amazing in the show yeah the sets were like, incredible that is that is something that,
1: like, I felt like every scene I was saying that to myself, where I'm like, the sets are incredible in the show. Like, the locations they found, the stuff they definitely built, um, lots of big sets, it feels like, and just lots of very, very detailed sets. So, if anything, yeah, I'd, I'd love the sets in the show.
0: Now, visually, it just remains spectacular, and I totally didn't expect yeah. them to take the additional expense of trying to rebuild like 1893 Chicago in addition to all of the spectacular sets that they built for the TVA. I think yeah. it, this the the level of care and design that went into this show was immense and it really yeah. it really came off very well. I I love the entire look of it, the very sort of like retro nineteen
1: fifties thing, but done in sort of like a dingy way. It was it was a bit Fallout esque, if you know you're familiar with that video game series, but a little bit cleaner than Anderson, what you see of Fallout. It's Wes Anderson, as we said
0: previously. It's very Wes Anderson in the way that yeah. it looks and the I, colors, but it worked so well. And I mean, just
1: the way they shot things lots of slow zooms on things, lots of slow pans. It was shot in a way that not te- you know that television, especially. Marvel Television isn't really shot, so I, I appreciated that. Uh, the, the I had one. I'll I'll start off with this. The the one thing with the the props and the sets, they were all amazing, except that uh, if you are a Warhammer Age of Sigmar player, their little I forget what the name of the device was, but their little orb thing at the end of the gangplank that he put the the thing that's supposed to fix the temporal loom is. It is. It is no doubt a piece from a Caradron Overlord's uh, uh, blimp or Zepp- zeppelin kind of things. I've got a couple of them right here. But uh, if you if you notice, if you notice, uh, very a very similar look to uh, things in the TVA here. <laughs> it's actually and, true. Uh, it's, so it's it's not this exact one, but I I'm not sure which model it is. If maybe it's a, from an ironclad or from one of the other ones. But as you can see, there's this, and then I've got this unpainted one here. That's a different one, but um, looks very, looks very familiar, doesn't it? Looks like something you could uh, put put a key in and fix a temper loom with, doesn't it? So I saw that. I saw this, and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what that is. That's that's one of those Warhammer models. So, so I I mean, props to the props to the prop people, because obviously they stuck little you know a couple little doodads on and stuff like oh, yeah. that. They didn't just straight up, I don't think, straight up take it and then stick it on the top of this other model, but. Uh, but it did uh, it did make me laugh to see that on there. But hey, I mean, the look of the the Caradron overlords—they're kind of these spacefaring faring uh, dwarves in the in the Warhammer uh, Age of Sigmar universe. The the aesthetic for it really does fit perfectly into uh, you know the stuff we saw in the TVA. So I wanted to, to show that because <laughs> that was that was fun to see a little bit of a little bit of Warhammer deep lore for you there. But aside from that, I mean, and maybe even including that, all, all the sets and everything was awesome. So yeah, that that aspect of the show I I totally loved
0: for sure yeah and and at least like I said it didn't feel disappointing at the end I like the resolution that they had I think it does do a good job of setting up you know the future kind of Kang the Conqueror arc that we know Marvel's going for over the next Mm -hmm. you know three four years right because allegedly like a lot of those Avengers movies with Kang the Conqueror are going to be coming out 2025 2026 uh clearly and we'll get to it the the Jonathan Majors question is looming in the air uh yeah because i believe he's supposed to begin his trial soon and they haven't made any announcements about that but i was reading up on that a little bit because i i hadn't heard about that until
1: you mentioned it and i take this all with a grain of salt because who knows what happens in hollywood trials right there's it's you can never who, who even knows what information is true and what is less than true but uh, I had read somewhere that the charge many of the charges were going to be dropped and the person that accused him was now being arrested for assault and things uh, against him. So who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, regardless, uh, you know, if it would cause him to be unable to continue to be Kang, that would be unfortunate because uh, he is great in that role. Um, I think Kang might be my favorite Marvel villain yet. Um, and Thanos was okay, but like, uh, just the the whole idea behind Kang, that it's like this human being who, in the 31st century, if you go back to the, the comics or whatever it is, he becomes aware of the multiverse, and then he's basically the super smart guy that, you know, then all the versions of him start contacting each other and sharing technology with each other, because initially they're trying to better each of their timelines, but then it kind of starts getting out of control, and so one of them decides that he just needs to prevent this multiversal war by taking out all the other Kangs and conquering as much of the multiverse as he possibly can to prevent this big war of between himself essentially and I think that's it's an amazing know, idea it's a great storyline <laughs> yeah and so that's where he who remains comes from that's where you know the TVA comes from is that is the Kang that eventually does sort of come out on top and sort of is pruning all the other timelines to prevent other versions of himself if you watch Ant Man and Wasp Quantumania, that was our first introduction to Kang. And that was uh that was the original conqueror who tried to conquer a bunch, and then he was exiled by the Council of Kangs, all the other Kangs to the to the the quantum realm and, and they even referenced that at the end of Loki too. Yep. They they mentioned that there was a variant of He Remains that was dealt with on Earth six one six, which is which is our Earth.
0: Right. So. Yeah, I thought I thought the way it tied in was was particularly good. And it, i I mean, honestly, like we'll see what happens with with jonathan majors and i think that i i am glad even even if he did do the things that he's been accused of that marvel and disney have kind of taken a step back from making decisions or public statements about this so far uh just because i think that it's what people should have learned, and especially you know after the you know pulling Johnny Depp from the Harry Potter sequels, uh, before yeah. you know the everything came out and kind of it had run it run its course in terms of actual legal proceedings, as we saw in the trial that that happened between him and and Amber Heard, um, that there was a lot more to that story and kind of the knee jerk reaction. Um, you know, was was perhaps not the right one. Like you can come down whatever you way you want on the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing. But uh, it, it, it's you could I just say, not like either of them, too. Yeah, That's totally it's possible. possible. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think that it's it's a good thing that some of these Hollywood studios are waiting for more information to come out before pulling people from these films, because it turns out oftentimes that there's a lot more to the story if you let it. Develop right, and so I mean, in terms it, of, it, uh, and there, there literally is a trial coming up. I think with Jonathan Majors. Like I said, we'll see if the charges are dropped or not. But what I will say is, taking away the real life stuff, Jonathan Majors is fucking amazing in this show. Yeah, he is such a good, he is a shockingly good actor. Like shockingly good. The the difference you see between He Who Remains and Victor Timely is mm-hmm. really cool to see him playing these two characters. And he also pulls off something that is one of the hardest things to do as an actor, which is when you play two different characters and you actually do an impersonation of one of your other characters as a character. So when he's playing He Who Remains, he starts doing an impersonation of Victor Timely. And why I say that's so hard is because typically you just become that other character, right? When you're trying to do the – because you're already pretending to be another character. So what happens yeah. is you just flip into that character. But what he does in this is that he mocks the stutter that he has as Victor Timely, but he does it in a different way than Victor Timely. And he then he mocks the voice of Victor Timely, but he still does it as if he's he who remains. So it's an imperfect you know, impersonation. And it sounds weird, but that is just one of those things I- that that actors really struggle with a lot of the time. And you can see this. Um, there's a very famous clip of Mel Blanc doing this when he's doing um, Looney Tunes. Right. And it's Bugs Bunny impersonating um Impersonating. Elmer Fudd and then Elmer Another Fudd about, yeah. impersonating bugs bunny and they're different from each other and this is often seen by other voice actors and actors as like an incredible piece of acting because he makes them different right um so yeah it's uh it, it it's very it's very fun to see to see this
1: tell me how is Victor t- 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 timely of
0: course you know about him
1: wait don't tell me you're you're having some 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 problems with the the temporal loom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he was great and I mean you can definitely, you know, understand why Disney would want to be a little bit slow to pull the trigger on removing someone like that who's supposed to be like your major villain in who knows how many, you know, film and television things for the next couple of years, right? Um, you know, but at least it, for our purposes of reviewing Loki, you know, it's our job to sort of separate the art from the artist you know and and just look at his performance and say we'll wait and see with what happens with everything else too you know i think that's i think that's important to do sometimes too when you're it when you're critiquing a piece of of art you have to sort of like Take the human element out sometimes, and and
0: look at this for what it is performance-wise. Right, sorry, it's Mel Blanc uh, doing Daffy Duck impersonating Bugs Bunny. It's not Elmer Fudd. They're trying to confuse I thought Elmer. There was Fudd. An Elmer Fudd one, too. Elmer Fudd is oh, in the scene, uh, but they're All trying right. to pretend that they're the other ones while he's hunting them. So anyway, this you can go watch it. There is a clip I think of um, of Hank Azaria, who also is a very famous uh, uh, voice actor in his own right, who is discussing how difficult this is to do as a voice actor. But I was just very impressed by. By Jonathan Majors, like, pulling this off uh, so seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And especially, like, you just need a mega actor in this role because you know he's going to be a million versions of himself. And you can replace him, right? And maybe you replace him with a variety of different actors. Like we talked about this last time. Maybe you pull a kind of imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus where when Heath Ledger died in the filming of that movie, that he got replaced by three different actors in dream sequences. But it does seem like, you know, surely Jonathan majors doesn't deserve to be in this. If he is guilty of what he's accused of, but at the same time, it's, it would be a shame not to have him, uh, because he is so good, right? He is so yeah, good, for sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, if if you have you watched Ant Man and Wasp: Quantum Media, I would expect you have probably not. haven't. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say, but there, there's a there's a post credit scene where there's three versions of Kang all having a conversation, and each one of them is is unique in their own kind of thing, and that's yeah. When you see that, you're like, okay, so this thing could work because. You don't want to get to the the situation where you've got like uh, the the million Agent Smiths in uh, in the Matrix trilogy, and they're, they're all the same, and they all look like Play-Doh because they're all bad CG. But you know, they and there it is actual replicas of the same character. So sure, you can kind of like accept that they're going to be more samey. but like it's just not as much fun to watch. So I, I'm glad that when I heard what kang was and i understood a little bit more of the character because i'm not like a huge comic book person so i didn't know much about his character before this stuff started um i was worried that we'd be getting like the same performance in different costumes and all that but yeah so far it's been it's been great so hopefully we get to enjoy more of that performance we'll wait and see i guess
0: yeah uh regardless i mean the other performances in the show continued to be Super good. And I think that's one of the the core aspects that I enjoyed most about this. It's just Tom Hiddleston continues to probably be, you know, the best actor in a major character within the Marvel Universe. You get to see that, you know, over and over and over again in this show. Owen Wilson and Kehui Quan are also continue to be really good. And that really forms kind of the emotional core of this show and the banter continues like it it really the actors play off each other extremely well and i think all of the characters the main characters are very well defined and very intriguing and cleverly written i think the one the one character that i didn't like as much was actually
1: sylvie because i i felt like she felt a little bit one-dimensional compared to the other characters in the show for me where she was like just out for vengeance, there were there were a couple moments where I did like that she went and worked at McDonald's because she just wanted a different experience, right? Like, I do like, I, I like things like that, but I feel like we didn't get enough of the depth that that character could have had. And you could argue that a lot of that happened in season one, but even in season one, it, it she seemed kind of, you know hellbent on on vengeance, and that was her character, and that was, you know, pretty much all we got. So, I feel like that was a character that was a little bit underserved in Season 2 as well, Uh that she would just kind of show up to be sort of like a plot device off and on, and be like, oh, I'm gonna kill this person. No, please don't kill this person. Okay, you know, so... <laughs> I didn't enjoy that aspect of of her character as much. But the other three you mentioned, yeah, they they really were, I, I, I think, the core of the show, whether they were intended to be or not. And, uh, you know, that worked very well. Owen yeah. Wilson was great. That Owen was the Wilson's best, super good. It's the best Owen Wilson performance we've ever gotten. And I, I know a lot of people are going to be mad at at me for saying that because of you know Wes Anderson stuff, but I think he's pretty good in the Wes Anderson, Anderson movies. <laughs> but yeah. Of course, he's good in the Wes Anderson movies, but I liked him in Loki season two great. Uh, and season one. Honestly, the best, and and that's uh, that's even you know with Zoolander being one of my favorite films. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. No,
0: there's no comfort. You just choose your burden. Uh, yeah, I think I think it was really good casting, and he absolutely kind of nails the role especially when we get to see him in his like suburban dad jet ski huckster Mm. uh you know the version of mobius uh that obviously like you understand why he would rather be mobius than that guy and i think it's it's intriguing to see the pull because obviously he still loves his kids but you know Mm. the struggle of being this single dad and having this really quite lame job uh is is you know, in direct opposition to the competence that he exudes in his role at the TVA and, and like yeah. how much kind of authority he has and, and importance he has in that position. So, what I liked is they really set up. This this great tension between the importance of him being with his family, like his family obligations, but also kind of his obligations to the fabric of the universe. And which do you you know, which one should he trade it for? And they left it ambiguous at the end of the show. Right. He's standing Mm -hmm. there observing the house of his his actual like real life. Uh, in the universe that he's supposed to inhabit and you don't know which way he's going to go because both of these things are so important but he can't have both of them at the same time and i i love that setup with him and you could you could really feel yeah. that dilemma in his character and i think it was played out very well by owen wilson
1: there's a very very like a uh, bittersweet feeling to the end of the the series in general and a lot of that yeah was his character too where it's like You know, he. there's the whole phrase that, you know, you can never go home, right? Which means, you know, if you go back to a place you lived and remembered fondly before, it's just never going to be the same. You can never quite recapture, you know, what was so magical about it for you at the time. Because time moves on, you know, which is a big, you know, point of this show, whether, you know, which is funny because everyone's jumping around through time, and yet there is this sort of theme of, like, things are going to progress, you know, whether you like it or not, right? And so I think that's part of it where he knows you know he he loves his kids and all that kind of stuff he kind of wants that life, but at the same time, if he took that life, you can tell that he would never truly you know he'll never really be that person again, you know yeah, he's and never gonna be satisfied that? with that
0: existence yeah,
1: yeah exactly so so I like that I do like that they leave it ambiguous a little bit um man, I loved Loki's character art in this arc in this because it's such a great like. If you think about where loki came into the mcu uh at the beginning the trickster god the big bad of avengers season one essentially that leading all the way through infinity war and all that the other things he was in the other thor movies um and just his journey of this like obsession uh this is his glorious purpose he keeps saying right where he feels like he was born to rule and all that and then kind of by the end of the show his realization that uh, ruling means serving, not, you know, being served. And so finally accepting, you know, what being a ruler really is and, and the responsibility of that. So what, a there's a lot more to say about that, but just, uh, you know, on broad strokes, what a great character arc arc for oh, yeah. that character. I yeah. mean,
0: especially if in the context of the, the broader MCU as well, because, you know, the mm-hmm. first, the first Avengers movie was dealing with Loki as kind of a petty villain. Uh, and yeah. then we get to see – and we've talked about how Loki in Norse mythology – it's very true to the uh, the source material in Norse mythology where sometimes he's extremely helpful. Sometimes he's just a selfish piece of shit and like they have to deal with him. And there's mm-hmm. really big tie-ins at the end of this show to Norse mythology as well. But w- yeah. y- you get to see him – you know, sometimes he's, like, out there being a menace and trying to invade Earth with a bunch of aliens. Sometimes he's actually being helpful. Sometimes he's, like, just randomly stealing the Tesseract and disappearing, right? And I I like the point you made because it really feels like this—you really see character development here. Because yeah. before, many times, he is extremely self-serving. He's extremely petty. He He's actively jealous of Thor and Odin and the other Norse gods and trying to— you know, he's, he's, he feels really insecure, right, about his position. And mm. in this show, he actually goes to great lengths to personally sacrifice himself for the friends, you know, people like Mobius, the friends and, that, and Ouroboros, the friends that he's made as part of his journey on this show. And he accepts that he can't just do the selfish thing. There is no easy way out of this. And he spends literally centuries traveling back in time trying to solve this problem, which was a brilliant end of the show, I think, where, yeah. you know... there is no easy way out right and he tries he tries so hard to fix this loom learning all about physics and there are some very funny lines in here where at the end he's like well how long would it take for me to learn this so I can accelerate this process so that we can get to the loom in time and you (laughs) know Ouroboros just says oh it'll take you centuries to this. it's like okay And it says centuries (laughs) later, which is very (laughs) funny, right? It's very funny. I mean, I really, really, really had to know. How long would it take? Decades? Centuries. And I think the pacing of the last episode is brilliant, too, because it really moves along and you get a sense of what loki's doing but it doesn't drag at all right and so he's just Mm. trying to prevent this the entire universe from unraveling and he realizes that the loom is actually unfixable at the end so he went through all of that centuries of learning about physics and science for nothing basically and then he actually just has to you know he doesn't want to kill sylvie so he lets kill sylvie kill he who remains, and then he himself takes on the burden of managing the timelines, and that's where mm-hmm. we we end the show. So I really loved the ending to this. I thought it was great, and I thought, to your point, that it really shows immense character development from Loki, and he has become, I think, by far the most interesting character in the MCU, and the most transformed character. Yeah, oh, totally, most transformed, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's uh, no other character
1: that I can think of in the MCU has gone through, like... Such distinct character growth over the course of you know x number of movies and shows, um, and it's it's neat to know that he's such a he's such a core component of the MCU now, where it's like he's literally the person holding like time together, and it's you sort of see like Yggdrasil, the the, yes. the world tree, as it were, in Norse, Norse mythology form, kind of around him at the end, which kind of makes Norse mythology the prominent mythology in the MCU apparently, <laughs> which it kind of always was. But it always, we, was. you know, we met. Yeah, but we went to, like, uh, we, we met Zeus and stuff like that. Uh, Russell Crowe plays Zeus in uh, <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder and all that. So, like, we know there's other gods from other mythologies out there. Uh, Moon Knight has a lot of Egypt- Egyptian, Egyptian mythology yeah. and all that. But, hey, I mean, we got the World Tree, right? And literally every single timeline is connected to it, which in North's mythology, the World Tree was what connected all the, the nine realms, right? Yes. But now it's kind of connecting all the timelines. So it's sort of a, a take on that that mythological
0: idea. I I really loved the way they did it visually too because they took the all the strands from the loom and then you know, Mm -hmm. flipped it 90 degrees so it became a tree. So they were really thinking about this from the beginning. Obviously, they Mm -hmm. turned everything green, which is not only Loki's color, but the color of the foliage on the tree. And Yggdrasil, as you say, is is the world tree that connects all of the nine realms of Norse mythology. So Midgard is the human realm that people live in. But there's another deeper layer to this as well when it comes to Loki, which is that in Norse mythology, Loki is famously imprisoned. Uh, until Ragnarok so a lot of the Mm. Loki stories that you hear happen before his imprisonment he is then tied down and they put a venomous serpent above him that drips poison on him oh yeah and his wife catches the poison in a bowl and every time she has to go empty the bowl the poison drips on him and he like writhes in he's actually I think He's imprisoned with the entrails of one of his kids who was killed. It's very grim, like most Norse mythology. Yeah, and Norse every time... <laughs> mythology
1: is pretty, pretty rough. Yeah.
0: <laughs> A- anytime the poison like drips on him, he writhes, and then that's what causes earthquakes. So that's their, their explanation mm. for earthquakes, and then she returns and, and catches the, the poison in the bowl again. And the idea is, is that he is going to be imprisoned until the end of the world. So what they've set up here... Is It's not the same. He's not being tortured. He hasn't been imprisoned by somebody else, but he is basically bound into this position until, I assume this is where we're going with this, I assume this is foreshadowing of the Kang the Conqueror arc, is that he's going to be imprisoned there until the Kang the Conqueror multiversal war, which is going to be, you know, Ragnarok, basically, if that makes sense although
1: technically ragnarok has already happened in the mcu yeah yeah in, yeah, uh, in yeah yeah thor, uh what was it yeah, thor, thor, uh, ragnarok.
0: thor ragnarok thor ragnarok oh yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> thor ragnarok
1: where asgard was destroyed and i mean but this is this more, could be, this is
0: more metaphorical metaphorical
1: right sure a larger more ephemeral ragnarok right it's
0: it's it's a yeah. more imp- it's a, like even bigger than ragnarok though because that yeah. was that was the yeah. destruction of of Uh, Valhalla Mm -hmm. in one timeline whereas the the implication of this is that this is the war to end all wars across every single timeline, right? So I think it, it is in spirit it's Ragnarok, right? So I assume that they're setting up this this imagery and these illusions now to say that he is going to be stuck in this position until the multiversal war starts and resolves itself, which mm-hmm. it totally makes sense, given what we know about Kang the Conqueror and what is going to be obviously coming up. Right. So it's not just the Yggdrasil thing. I think it ties more deeply to the themes of Loki's imprisonment within Norse mythology and when he is he is released from that bondage.
1: There's a, there's a interesting, I I am kind of curious how they're going to work this into the talk of like Yggdrasil that's already existed in the MCU, or Thor explains it in Thor 1, I think it is, and he explains there's a place that connects the nine realms specifically, which is like the dwarf realm, there's the elves and all that kind of stuff, and then Thor 2 does deal with like elves, so (laughs) that we know like those other levels of realms exist, uh, and then apparently I haven't seen it yet, but apparently across the Spider Verse, there's a there's a moment where they're explaining like different things about the multiverse, and one of them says like uh, the multiverse is described as a, as a, a tree. in other Marvel properties, <laughs> apparently they say that in the in the movie. I guess I wa- I need to watch. I've seen, seen. I've yet, seen but... it.
0: It's it's a good movie. I I don't recall that oh, okay. specific moment from it. Um, okay. But, Yeah, I have seen that one. All right. So so yeah. So there's there's other MCU related things, but I mean. We're getting it's
1: interesting because we're getting to the point where like the movies and the shows together are becoming as interconnected and complex as the comics, you know, were, and so that's a whole conversation in itself. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit in the past where one of the things that's hard about getting into comic books is that there's so much, there's decades and decades of history. Um, you know, it's really really difficult to catch up with all the different storylines to, to you know understand everything that's happening, and I feel like trying to divide the MCU into eras which is which they're doing is a good idea um that helps compartmentalize a little bit but we are still getting to the point where there's going to be a lot of lost impact on things because we have had an MCU that's been around for you know well over a decade at this point and and there is a lot of stuff that that probably newer fans probably haven't seen so i wonder how that's going to be handled going forward you know how much how much uh, burden of information there is going to be. I, I know they're probably doing everything in can to avoid it, but you can only do so much after this much content, you know?
0: Yeah. It is also like we've said, the movies need to be able to stand alone and make sense. And sure. I'm intrigued to see how they do that with the context from this show, because so much of this informs the backstory of Kang that, mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to have to explain it or they have other creative narrative devices in order to bring the audience into the knowledge of what's going on, because it's very important. I assume it's going to be very important that Loki is in the current position that he's in. And you have to summarize that very quickly for an audience about why all of a sudden he is a core figure holding the timelines together for people who haven't necessarily seen this show, because there's not going to be any avoiding this in the future films like that you it, mm-hmm. it is. It, it is going to be a part of it. hundred percent. You know what I'm wondering about? This is a little bit off topic,
1: but but uh, what about the scrolls? Do we do we Fuck care the about Skrulls. the scrolls anymore? I fucking, do, I fucking hate do we have to Secret think about invasion. the scrolls anymore. I thought the scrolls <laughs> were going to be like a major part of the MCU going forward. And we got Secret age Secret Invasion, which was terrible, and then like I know um, the the Marvels is that that's the new one that just came out, right? Yeah, which has uh, Captain Marvel and um, the the character I can't remember her name that was established in WandaVision. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh why am i forgetting but she's got other light powers and then and then miss marvel right who is the the high schooler in the the disney plus show that i have not watched um but i wonder how that's going to connect to everything else that's kind of happening because to a certain extent it almost seems like that's off in its own little you know realm so to speak in marvel but they're trying to keep everything all interconnected it but is a hot mess it is that makes me worried <laughs> I've heard it's not uh, not doing great but uh you never you never know. I I don't go by reviews. I just I just see it and if it's good it's good if it's not it's not. But you know I'm s- I'm still so disappointed about Secret Invasion. It was terrible.
0: I, at least we got a Could at least we got spooky. a good show. It it's also yeah. just interesting to see the wildly different qualities between these two shows. Um because yeah, Loki right? was I thought quite good and really made the most of it and secret invasion was just a complete steaming pile it of felt shit. cheap
1: right it, it felt, felt cheap for most this, of it. yeah this show yeah.
0: seems like so expensive so on point mm. and we know secret invasion cost a ton of money to make but you just yeah. didn't feel the quality at any point in time like even the cg right. the cgi at the end looked cheap like the stupid arm thing the special effects were
1: woven into uh, Loki, no pun intended, with the loom thing uh, much better, I think, than in yeah. Secret Invasion. You know, where it's it's and i mean so loki does have the advantage where you're in a lot of fantastic locations to begin with so that kind of stuff doesn't look as out of place as it would in secret invasion where you're inserting this this very you know unrealistic thing into a realistic setting so sure they do have the extra challenge special effects wise there but but yeah it did it did just the cg just looked worse in that show for whatever reason for whatever reason um but yeah, you know, everything in Loki looked looked uh, quite good. Even the effect of like time unraveling when people were like unraveled oh, by yeah, the radiation and all that. Creepy that was a creepy look. Uh which I enjoyed. I, I like creepy things like that. And I, that's a, it's a good way to do it where you can make people explode, but not in a way that gets you pulled off a of Disney Plus. So I, I, yeah,
0: it looked, well it done looked, there. Yeah. It looked great. Uh it felt it felt just as good as the snap moment from Thanos in terms of its impact, but they didn't do it mm-hmm. visually in the same way. Right. It wasn't the dust. It was more the kind of unraveling, like almost yeah. like their DNA was unraveling and like coming out in in long strands. And they even made it fucking funny, Noah. The fact that we just mm. saw Victor Timely just exploding over and over and over again, <laughs> and yeah. then and then Loki getting increasingly frustrated by it was hilarious. There, you know, they're yep. very they're very humorous. There's, there's like darkly humorous moments in this show that I thought, you know, they they made me chuckle. And it's, it's just, just a the Loki
1: character very well.
0: The tone the tone <laughs> of this show and the pacing are just so on point. Right, it moves along. You get the story and the emotional resonance of this in only six episodes, right? And a lot happens. And they don't spend a lot of time, like, dwelling on explaining things over and over to you again. They're happy just to slap a centuries later in there, and you understand, you know, what's been Mm -hmm. happening. And I think it's a real credit because... If anything, one of our complaints, though, has been that shows are too pedantic or they 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 pretend the audience is stupid. And that's not something this show does. Like it pretends that you're yeah. paying attention. You know, it knows you're paying attention and it allows you to make the connections yourself without shoving it down your throat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a show that demands you kind of follow along, you know, and, and uh, it's which makes it probably less palatable to you know a lot of marvel fans that are more interested in just kind of like the big punchy punchy stuff you know but uh and not not to you know demean most marvel fans but i I'll i know them, people who've watched loki season two and and they're like oh it's just too complicated and i'm like really like this is why we can't have nice things you know <laughs> it's
0: like it's like all those yeah. uh, all those star wars fans uh on TikTok, by the way, Doa lightsabers. <laughs> have you oh, seen no. Have you seen the the complaints on on TikTok on our I, TikTok when people I when we talk it. about Andor I and people it. just say Andor's boring. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is definitely Dude. like it's definitely not boring. It is. It is a very interesting show. Reading reading
1: comments on our on our TikToks though for the show is is one of my favorite pastimes though. I I love
0: it. <laughs> They they hate us so much. <laughs> hey, some of the people right. understand, and they go they go. We've like, got we've got some, we've got some warriors some like battling it. those people in there. It's very yeah. funny.
1: Hey,
0: keep fighting the good
1: fight out there, right? <laughs> you know the the other the the esports holy war has been won, so you know maybe the uh, maybe the the Disney Plus holy war can be won too against those fans. But like uh, it's it's it it is funny because you know I found out that the one cardinal sin one can commit is not having watched all of rebels
0: <laughs> that's uh that's what i've learned
1: but i but i drag i digress back to loki uh there so here's so when i was thinking about you know do i like the show or not um i'm definitely in the camp of liking the show but there are a few things that stood out to me that i didn't enjoy as much uh one of them was uh the the miss minutes kind of thing because. Uh, I will say she was integrated into the show uh, visually perfectly. Amazing. Like, that best animated character in a live-action show, a cartoon-looking animated character in a live-action show ever, in my opinion. Uh, just so... Really? I, who Framed Roger
0: Rabbit's pretty great. Okay.
1: Yeah, but it didn't... Uh, this is where it looked so seamless. Like, the character looked like it was in the environment. It looked sure. like it was really, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, interacting with the characters. Like, there, there's a level of realism with Miss Minutes that... that How dare you do see, just the original Space and, Jam you know, like that, though? I, you know, I love me the original Space Jam. That's a sentence that I just said. But, uh... But it's... Miss Minutes was, was great. The thing I didn't like with Miss Minutes is that I wasn't sure, uh... How much, sort of like, how much I should care about this character because, on the one hand, she seems like kind of an interesting sidekick character, kind of a mysterious sort of like entity, which is neat. But then they had sort of this like weird, like little, uh, very short lived romantic angle with her and Victor Timely. And I'm like, and then they didn't do anything with it, they just kind of like turned her off. And I was like, well, that's it. I'm like, so. It was little things like that, where it's like there was these very underdeveloped uh, subplots or plot points, whatever you want to call them, that I felt like detracted to it, where it was like, well, "Well, that was kind of a waste of time. Sure, it was like... Kind of a weird, you know, her AI kind of moment, but it's like, did the show really need that? You know, what what did we what did the show gain from having that little aspect to things? You know, well, so.
0: I, they're obviously setting it up for the future, but we'll see. We'll see Maybe. if it ever comes to pass Maybe. because they kind of reset her at the end of the show, and I agree that her right. motive her right. motivation was not entirely clear because it, they made it seem like she was on the fritz and that she, you know, was in love with He Who Remains, right, and wanted to mm-hmm. have a more active role. But then she betrays him immediately by telling the truth to yeah. Renslayer at, at the end, because as soon as he just kind of turns her off in that moment, it, it didn't get the sense that she like I would have expected that obsession to continue. Right. But it just doesn't. And then she immediately betrays him, which makes the kind of whole build up to that feel hollow. And I well, agree. To was, I think you know, I think yeah. one of my my complaints here is that, look, you only have six episodes and you have a lot going on. There is a lot. To accomplish within these six episodes with all the time traveling and all of the plot device like all the plot points that you have to get through and loki's character development and it really felt yeah. that uh, you know there were there were a lot of underdeveloped characters as a result at the end i didn't really care about b15 or casey yeah for example like they're just kind of there but they mm-hmm. don't actually they're they are not actually important themselves to the overall plot like the characters that are actually important when you look at the at the events that happen are loki mobius um ouroboros um Still sylvie i guess uh, yeah and renslayer these are the actual five important characters in terms of advancement of the plot renslayer mm, is important even, because she provides i mean she provides a, one of the central conflicts of the plot and so even I just renslayer
1: though i felt like was i felt like they didn't really yes do much with her compared to how
0: they were setting her up to be important. Totally. Yeah. Uh yeah, I totally agree that Renslayer is also underdeveloped. My point is is not who is developed and who is underdeveloped because I think Sylvie's arc is also underdeveloped. My point is that yeah. these are the actual five characters that drive the plot and then Miss Minutes also. And so I wish, you know, it's it felt like a lot of things got lost because there were too many character stories they were trying to tell simultaneously. And mm-hmm. one of the hollow parts about Loki's motivation is he, he he says, you know, these are, I want to save my friends. But his, his relationship with B-15 and Casey is never really developed in any meaningful way. So it's yeah. hard to feel the emotional resonance when they are dissolving at the end. And they end up being kind of unfortunately extraneous characters. Um, so... I think they just tried to do too much in a show that they knew was going to be six episodes long
1: yeah I, I think you can include like Hunter x5 in that too oh, where yeah. he was like to an antagonist right. for like one episode and then it's like I don't really care about this character but he does look like a a, a bizarre uh, that actor is like a bizarre like genetic combination of John Krasinski from The Office and then Nathan Fillion from Firefly if you put <laughs> if you put their faces into an AI combiner thing I feel like you'd get that guy I, I, I'm sorry point. I don't I don't remember the actor's <laughs> name but like but that's what I kept thinking looking at it I'm like wow but uh the uh I, I did like. Uh, I did. There was a Casey moment that I really did like, which is where they made him one of the three people that escaped from Alcatraz on that boat, because that's like a big, a big mystery. If if you're into American folklore, there was three prisoners that uh disappeared from Alcatraz back in like the sixties and it with a theoretically with a like a handmade boat and they were never found. So Yeah. And and uh, one of them was like taken
0: through the time door. There's a lot of clever stuff. The idea that happened. Yeah. I love that.
1: (laughs) And then that's a that's a whole nother set too. You know, you've got like the beach set, you've got all that. Like I saw that and I'm like, really? That's like another set. Yeah. So they really went all out with this show and and I I do think this show kind of demonstrates, you know, what the possibilities of the MCR, uh, MCU rather, can be, you know. And and we've gotten good MCU stuff before, but I I agree that this is probably the best show. This is the best Disney Plus show that we've gotten out of the MCU yet.
0: Yeah, also. Yeah. as as much as they didn't do a good job, I think, with the Miss Minutes character arc, shout out to Tara Strong, who they cast as Miss Minutes, who is an mm-hmm. extremely accomplished voice actress. And she actually just slays this part because having Miss oh, Minutes yeah. be this kind of annoying southern like clock is it the character is very is very recognizable and very iconic, I feel. And she really, really, really does a good job. I know I'm working on myself. Yeah.
1: It's it's a great character. Um, it, it like that. Like I said, the only my only complaint with it was that one kind of little side plot that just kind of seemed stuck in there. It didn't really seem like terribly well developed. I'm going back and looking through all the dis- different MCU shows to see if I can find one that I liked more than than Loki season two. And it wasn't She Hulk attorney
0: at law. <laughs> definitely wasn't Secret Invasion. <laughs>
1: it wasn't Secret Invasion uh hawkeye like i like the character but it, the did you like wandavision like i did like wandavision i liked i liked it up until basically the like the last couple episodes when it turned into just another marvel punch fight right um i did like uh falcon and the winter soldier somewhat there were some episodes i think episode three was just awful but there were like i, I forget which episode it was there was one where i really didn't like it um and then there was uh it was one where like one of the bad guys is just like dancing in a club and I'm like what in the world. But uh the the I think the topics and the exploration of like what the Captain America character means to different people was it was a great topic to explore with a show and I thought they did a pretty good job with that. So I and and Captain America has always just been one of my favorite Marvel characters just for like a long time. Um but uh so that was neat, but you know, I, overall I I would say Loki season 2 Probably, probably the best. Although there is, there, and there is a new Daredevil show that's going to be coming out at some point. And if you watch the old Netflix Daredevil, that was, that was a pretty cool show too. Not Disney Plus show, obviously, but yeah.
0: You liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, I believe. I did, but technically,
1: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it kills me to say this, is not considered part of the MCU. <laughs> It's uh it's fair enough. Yeah, it it was initially and then it was kind of uh it kind of became its own thing. Uh they it's I, I guess it's categorized as a Marvel Heroes series. Um but yeah. I, I guess apparently although now I feel like it can just be part of the MCU again because it could just be like an alternate timeline. But in the early seasons of Shield, they, they dealt with some of the things that happened in the Avengers movies, but then they sort of kinda of went off. Like they have their own, you know, the the dark hold. That uh, mm-hmm. that book that's central in the second Doctor Strange movie, and then it pops up at the end of WandaVision. Like, that's a major MacGuffin in an entire season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And what it does and what its relationship is to the universe is totally different than what we see from that book in the other MCU stuff now that has come out later. So, yeah, unfortunately, that show is technically... I suppose, not canon, which is sad because it is a great show and I love the characters and it's it, it's it, it's completely wacky and uh, doesn't always have the greatest, plot, the greatest plots. But yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is one of my favorite shows. Also the longest running Marvel show ever, too. It's seven seasons. So there you
0: go. It's over now. <laughs>
1: Agent All right, Coulson, well... though.
0: Coulson's character in Marvel. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I anyway, I like I think I think that this this was a really compelling show. If you guys haven't seen it, it's only six episodes long. Um, it's I, I think it's worth watching. Uh, compared to totally. a lot of the other shows that we've seen, would definitely recommend this, especially for the limited time commitment that you have. Uh, That's a you raise a great point that
1: I didn't I didn't think about it, but they they really did put a lot of stuff into six episodes.
0: Most of the episodes are in, only 45 minutes long, too, which yeah. is crazy. It, it, it is about, actually very well. Con- it's a very well paced and constructed show. It doesn't you waste your time how, at any point. Yeah. And
1: you think about how little happens in other six episode series. And then, you know, how, nothing happened how, in how can Ahsoka... this show? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a whole... We already uh, did Ah-Soka, that podcast. <laughs> Ahsoka was eight
0: episodes long and nothing fucking happened yeah. in it. So it's amazing what you can do when your writing is good.
1: Thrawn got a cool entry scene. so we got that. <laughs> I like I really like that scene, but that's yeah oh well, yeah, Loki season two is good. I- I'm glad that we can uh, that we can have a show where we actually have kind of a positive episode about. It. I feel like I feel like we're so you know we and and not because we we want to be, but I feel like we are forced to be negative and critical <laughs> on the show a lot and it's and you know we've chosen to watch what we've chosen to watch but still still you know i i I want a lot of this stuff to be good i think that's one of the frustrations is i think we come at this stuff from wanting it to be good and knowing that it can be good and so when it drops the ball over and over again like uh you know it's it's a bummer you know it's it's harder you think it's hard for you to listen to us bag on Ahsoka. it's harder for us to have to watch it <laughs> the and real pain is in, in our, our hearts, hearts. <laughs> that's right we're the
0: ones who are actually suffering here you're just getting to enjoy <laughs> our suffering i hope you appreciate that <laughs> they do the shot in front of it all i'm sure is part of part of why people watch this show yeah. um that <laughs> said true. this was this was very pleasurable and for upcoming episodes i think things are are looking better So I think things are looking better. So we've got we're going to do Scavengers Reign next, which is a show that probably many of you haven't heard of, but has been getting some really glowing reviews. It's on Max, not HBO Max, just Max now. uh, If you guys want to check that out, it is an animated science fiction show about some people marooned uh, from a spaceship crash, and I've been hearing really really good things. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and check that out next. and because we're we're in the desperate hunt for actually more good things to watch. And then coming yeah. out this week, actually, uh, or in the past, it'll be it'll have just come out. If you're watching this episode uh, is going to be the what it, was it called? Monarch Reign of Monsters, Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters, Legacy, I believe Legacy it is. of Monsters. That's yeah. What and that's which Apple is the TV new plus, uh, right? Apple, Apple, T- Apple TV plus uh, Apple. Yeah. Uh, show that stars Kurt Russell yeah. about Godzilla. You know, I've I, never... I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I
1: mean, th- so if you've been following along with a lot of the new Godzilla, Godzilla-verse stuff, um, Kaiju-verse stuff, if you will, uh, there's there hasn't been a ton of, like, great films, but they've all been fun. Like, they've all been, like, a lot of fun to watch. So I kind of feel like uh, those movies are are... Sort of in the same category that I would put like the Fast and the Furious films in for me, where it's just like you go for the monsters, you enjoy the you know light plot, fun characters. You know, it's it's not meant to be super serious. But I'm curious what they can do with a television show because we haven't seen a show yet in this universe. We've just seen movies. So, uh, so yeah, that'll be fun.
0: That'll be fun. Also, uh, in this Hopefully. in this in this show, Kurt Russell's son plays the young version of Kurt Russell. Which yeah, is- I saw that. Uh, intriguing <laughs> yeah it's kind of I mean, cool i look i uh, prefer i prefer his son playing him rather than reverse aging him i'll put it that way <laughs> hey well this it would fit this would fit into you know our, our watching uh recently because
1: it, once this show is out people will have already seen the surf ninjas episode which which uh stars ernie rise jr and ernie rise senior so another father-son duo <laughs> in uh, some great cinema um, which you know now uh, that you've probably watched that episode and then gone on YouTube and watched the only place you can find that movie because it's not available on any other streaming platforms. Um, but yeah, so that I am curious to see uh, you know how Kurt Russell and, and Kurt Russell Jr., that's not his real name, he's just his son, um, will do in this show. That'll be fun too. Lots yeah. to look forward to.
0: So it is it is going to be on Apple TV Plus. I also am optimistic because in general, I think the quality of Apple TV Plus's shows has been really good. I know Severance was amazing uh, on that platform. And generally, it just they seem to they seem to do a better job of making content. Mm. Right. I've
1: never subscribed to Apple TV Plus, but I've been I've always been like an Android guy. So you know, I'm I'm not an iPhone guy. I'm a a Google Android guy. Um, So maybe that's part of it. TV because the Apple phones, Apple TV. Anyway, I I, I've heard lots of good things for a lot of. I know Foundation is a series. I think people liked as well.
0: Um, So. Probably yeah, we so should I'm be watching on to, this show, frankly, like Foundation and Silo. Maybe.
1: Why are we focusing on <laughs> Disney Plus so much? It's my fault. But, you know, we, we need to expand our horizons. I need to expand my horizons. And we need to start thinking about a Christmas episode, too, because we're less than two months away now.
0: Uh, are you going to force all of us to watch the Star Wars holiday special? Is that, <laughs> is that where this is going? There. You know there have
1: been a lot of there have been a lot of reviews of the Star Wars Holiday Special over the years. I acknowledge that, but we've never reviewed the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> and hold on, just one minute. Hold on. Hold on. I did. I did in the mail just receive my uh, Life Day Chewbacca action figure. So we so, you know, I have been thinking about the holiday special lately, so maybe we do need to do that. Maybe that's something if you want to see us review the Star (laughs) Wars holiday special, leave a leave a comment in the uh,
0: in the YouTube comments. Let us know. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's it for this week, guys. We'll see you next week for a scavengers ran.